Welcome to the Shalhaba Community Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by the following message. Can we uh, honour Shane and, and Rachel, your pastors? They're incredible people. Um, it's been a great joy for me to spend these last couple of days. And you've got something special going on here. Don't, don't take what you've got for granted. Uh, it's easy to be familiar with what's going on. It's easy to... Uh, you know, just go through life and to take things for granted. This is a special church. It's an incredible facility, great vision, great future, great quality people that are pouring into this place, and, and the best is yet to come. So uh, I, I just am so thrilled and excited to be here sharing God's Word. And, and, and I just strategically have really been praying that I could impart uh, something um, on a leadership level over these next couple days. I love preaching. But I love leadership even more, and, and I can't wait to spend time with the staff and the leaders of, of, of your church and preparing the next season, what it looks like, what God wants to do. God's up to big things. Don't, 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 um, don't think that it's over. Don't think that God's left you behind. Don't think that you're on the shelf. Um, this is just beginning. We're on the ground floor, and there is so much that God has in store, and all of you are part of it. That's why you're here. I love, I love Sunday nights. I love the young adult crowd. I love the passion, the enthusiasm. I, I love the, um, the, the, the opportunities that are in this room to, to change cities, to, to change the country, that, that God could use you. You're, you're destined for greatness. You're born for more, we often say in INC. And so I love sharing God's word. Uh, I wish someone had shared this message to me 30 years ago. Uh, it would have changed and prevented a lot of pain <laughs> that I went through. It would have set me up for far more success than I have had to date. And so I, I, this is the one message that I love to impart into my, uh, my young adults um, that, that are in my family. I have a couple of them. They're, they're, they're getting more and more by the minute. Have a look at our family photo that I showed this morning. So Abigail on the side is 21, Jaden up the back, he's 17, then there's Sam 15, Finn 13, and little Jet in the middle is uh, 8. And so they're all maturing and growing up in the church, and so I'm being stretched, uh, not only to lead the church, but to lead them and instill God's word and God's truth. So this is a message that, um, if, if there's one message I want to give to that clan of kids, it's this one tonight. And so it's my great honor to, to share it with you. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Psalms 108, Psalms 108 verse 1. The psalmist writes, I have complete confidence, O God. I will sing and praise you. I have complete confidence, O God. I have complete confidence. Come on, I have complete confidence. This is the psalmist writing to his God. I have complete confidence, O God. Can anybody here claim complete confidence in all areas of their life? I'm like, mate, you're writing this in the Psalms, but I don't have complete confidence in all areas of my life. In fact, I'm more certain than ever in some areas of my life, but more uncertain in other areas of my life than I've ever been. I'm more certain that God has called me to my role uh, to serve the churches that I'm part of. Ross 
is the boss. He's the chairman of INC. And my role as executive pastor, I look after the seven locations of Elevation. And so I serve the location pastors, I partner with them, I build staff, I build teams, build programs, build facilities. And build, I'm absolutely certain God has called me that. I'm certain God has called me to be a father and a husband. That actually comes before the church world. I am a father and a husband. I am certain of that. There is no question in my mind. There's no doubt. There's no double-mindedness. I know that I am called. Uh, I'm certain of that. I'm actually certain of being here, honestly. This weekend and this week, I really believe that God is up to something and I'm just going to play my little part. I'm certain of that. Yet while I'm so certain and confident, I am like super uncertain in some areas. So these seven locations, they look to me to make decisions. I'm like, mate, I don't know half the time. Should we keep this person on? Should we move? Should we start another service? Should we reallocate our budget? Should we? And they're asking me nonstop. Sometimes I'm very uncertain as a father, as, as my kids are asking me direction and, and asking me questions. I'm like, parenting, it changes. Your teenagers, you know, your kids hit teenage years and they get possessed. I don't even know who they are half the time. I'm like, God, where'd my kids go? They're, they're like, they, they don't even talk now. They've got these new languages. They grunt, they, they groan, they smell, they're in puberty. It's all craziness. And I'm, I'm, I'm more uncertain in some of these areas, yet I'm absolutely certain in others. What I want to do tonight is unpack some truths from God's word about how we make decisions. How do we as young adults, as we're faced with so many decisions, so many opportunities, and some of us who have gone past the young adult years, we still have decisions that we have to make every day. Because the truth is, the decisions we make today will determine the life we live tomorrow. It's not based on wish or hope or, you know, guessing or, or a bunch of circumstances. The decisions we make determine the life we live. Now, what's interesting is studies show we live in a, in a time in history where we're most uncertain than ever before when it comes to making decisions. And there's four uh, reasons for that. You ready for these four? You'll understand these. Number one, there are far more options today. So when I grew up um, in Mona Vale in, in Sydney, uh, we had uh, four channels. Uh, channel 2, Channel 9, Channel 7, Channel 10, right? They're the four channels. Now, two of those didn't work. They were fuzzy. I couldn't hear them. And so we were stuck with Channel 2 or Channel 9. And dad would always choose channel two. So that, that was, our, that, that was our, our options in life was channel two. Nowadays, talk about options, hundreds of channels. Talk about YouTube channels, thousands. What about movies and Netflix? You spend longer trying to decide what series you're going to watch than it takes to actually watch the series, uh, the apps, the games. There is so, you know, when I grew up, you either got a job, um, you know, a trade manual labor, or got an apprenticeship, or you, you went to college. Now you have gap years, and you have online, and you have... Uh, different studies, and you can go here. There's just far more 
options, far more options, right? Far more options. Uh, when I grew up, you had cow's milk. Now, some of you, some of you may not know what that is, but it actually comes from a cow, and the milkman would bring the bottles. Remember that? And you'd leave money out. Yeah, that's how safe it used to be. And he would take the money, and he'd, bring, he'd replace the bottles. I mean, it sounds incredible, doesn't it? That's how old we are. And, and nowadays, some of you have never had cow's milk because what you have is almond milk or soy milk or coconut milk or, or rice milk. The latest one is pea milk. Have you ever had pea milk? It is taking the health food seen by a storm. One serving has twice the amount of protein as cow's milk. So what I'm saying is there's far more options. Can we agree on that? Far more options. That, that's the one reason it's hard to make decisions. The, the second reason it's hard is this illusion of perfection. So with social media, people are showing their highlight reel as if that's their normal life. It's not. It's a lie. They're, 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 they're just making stuff up and putting filters on it. You, you do it as well. And you're showing everyone your highlight. So there is this illusion of perfection. And what it creates is what I call FOMO. We all know what FOMO is, young adults. Fear of missing out. So you're hesitant to make a decision because something better might come along. Because you're always looking at other people's lifestyles on social media. You're holding back making a commitment. I'm not sure if I'll go to youth. Sounds like fun. Sounds like ending in a big way with the bubble wrap and the boxes. And Sounds good, but I better hold off in case something better comes along. Or you actually go to youth, and while you're at youth, you think, what am I missing out on? There's a party or something else is going on. So there's this illusion of perfection that inhibits us from making decisions. Just make a decision and go to youth, okay? Let's just get that clear tonight. The, 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 the next reason why it's hard to make decisions is we're over-programmed. This next generation are over-programmed. It's not your fault, it's just society has over-programmed you. So for me growing up, um, we had a choice to play with a toy. It was a stick or a rock. That's about it, right? You'd stick and you'd throw it at someone or a rock and you'd throw that at someone. That was about the extent. And you had to be creative. So I had to make decisions. Nowadays, our young adults are so over-programmed where you are so busy with so many activities uh, parents and, and adults feed content to their kids on devices that they fail to learn the art of decision-making because it's all made for you. All you have to do is press a button and you're just fed this content. You, you're overprobed. And here's what's happened. We've told this next generation what to do, but haven't given them the freedom to decide so they aren't exercising their decision muscles. So deciding is like a muscle. The more you use it, the better you get at it. And we live in this crisis right now in our society that young adults find it very difficult to make decisions because we haven't empowered them to make decisions because we've made them for them. The last reason it's hard for young adults to make decisions is what people call career paralysis. So young adults, as they're going through life and finishing school and heading into a career, they're told three things. Do only what you love, do only what makes a difference, and do only what pays you big money. Now, 
They're all great goals, absolutely. I, I, I want all three of those for myself. But, but what I found is if you think you're only going to find a job where you do what you love, and, and it's, uh, it's a job that's going to change the world, and it's going to pay you seven figures, you might be waiting a while. Because when the next generation steps in and they think this job isn't as fun as I thought it would be. I don't love it as much as I had hoped. It's not paying as much as I wanted. It's not making as big a difference as I thought. They end up getting disillusioned. They quit. They move back home and play video games. And so it's called career paralysis. Oh, some of you might have gone through that already. Uh, the, the, the reality is we do want to find something that we're good at and we love. We do want to do something that makes a difference, and we do want to find a job that pays well. But it takes time. It, it may take years. It's not going to happen in the first two weeks. My daughter was an intern for Channel 7, and you know she was there two weeks, and she said, I don't know why I haven't done a story yet and been on TV. And I'm like, Dal, it takes time. You've got to learn the ropes. You've got to go through the process. It actually takes years. And because we're in this age of instant gratification, we don't know what it is to be patient and take time. So all of these things have created a real challenge for this next generation making decisions. And here's why this matters tonight. The decisions you make or don't make will determine the future you live. And so tonight I want us to dig in a little bit and find out what are some of the decisions that I need to make and God, how can you help me make them? Because some of you, all of you, are facing different decisions. Uh, maybe you're a little bit in decision paralysis. You're, you're wondering about your job. Should you stay or should you go? Should you get more shifts or should you get left? less shifts. You're, you're thinking about a relationship. Should you end the relationship? Should you start a relationship? Should you spend more time in the relationship? Uh, some of you are wondering, should, you know, uh, should I, I, I get another job or get a car or what type of a car? And so life is full of decisions. And some of you, you're big decisions, big ones. Finishing school, what do I do next year? Um, where do I go? Do, do, do I stay here in Shell Harbor? Do I move out for a season? Do I stay with mum and dad? Do I, do I move out with others? These are big decisions, right? Because they will shape you. They will change you. And this is why we're going to study God's word and have a look at how do we make these good decisions. We ask God often to show us what to do. But I believe God gives us the wisdom to decide. So often we just say, God, just show me what to do. And he's like, I'm not going to show you. I've actually given you a brain, and, and, and I've given you common sense, and, and I actually want to give you something that's greater than the answer, and it's what we call in the church world wisdom. Wisdom. Number one, we're going to ask for wisdom. Wisdom isn't taught in schools. It's not taught at uni. And wisdom is a critical component for success in life. In fact, out of everything you can get in life, if a genie showed up or, or, or God showed up today and said, hey, what's one wish? You know, as a kid, you'd get that question. What's the one wish? What's the answer? More wishes, right? Well, well that's the answer that God is trying to say. Don't ask for stuff. Don't ask for a hot girlfriend. Uh, you, 
ask for wisdom. Because when you get wisdom, you get all that other stuff as well. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, we all need wisdom, what do we do? Ask our generous God and he'll give it to us. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, wisdom is different from knowledge. Knowledge is raw information. We're pretty good with knowledge. Google, anybody. We can find knowledge all day long. Knowledge isn't the problem. Uh, we can work out how to do stuff. We just YouTube it. But wisdom is applying the knowledge in a godly way. Why wisdom? Solomon was made king of Israel. And we find in 1 Chronicles 1.7 in the Old Testament that God appeared to Solomon and said to him, he's just being made king. God shows up. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Anything at all. We all know the answer. What he asked for, we find in verse 10. Solomon replies, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. But who is able to govern such a great people as yours? Therefore, wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And... Here's what I love about wisdom. And I will also give you wealth, possessions, and honor, such as no king who was ever before you ever had, none after you will ever have. You want to succeed in life? You want to do well? Ask for wisdom. There is nothing more important than you can seek after as a young adult than wisdom. Wisdom is something you should seek out every day. Wisdom is something you should ask God for. God, give me wisdom. Proverbs 4, 7 says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Now, there's four types of people that Solomon talks about in Proverbs. Now, you will probably fall into one of these four, okay? Let's do a little survey and see which one you fall into. You ready? A first one. First one is what Solomon calls the simple. Now, the simple is the naive, the clueless. They, they don't know any better. They're often teenagers. They're, they're not bad. They just lack experience. When you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. Taylor Swift quote. So you just believe, you're, you're kind of clueless. Proverbs 7, 7 says, I saw some naive young man, and one in particular who lacked common sense. This proverb describes a young man who's just walking into a mess. The Bible says it's like an ox to the, to the slaughter. Now the good news with someone who's simple, there is a cure. Time. <laughs> just give them a bit of time. And, and they're going to learn. So time is a great cure. So maybe you're a little naive tonight. Uh, maybe you don't have as much common sense that was developed. Time will help you cure. Number two, I don't know whether you're simple or maybe you're this one. Solomon describes this person as a fool. Now, a fool is someone who knows better but doesn't care. Someone who knows better but I don't give a rip. You may know someone like this. Proverbs 26 says, As a dog returns to its vomit, a fool repeats his foolishness. If you know something is wrong and do it anyway, you're a what? You're a fool. Has anybody had a speeding ticket? 
What does that make us? <laughs> we know we shouldn't speed, right? But we do it anyway. That's called foolishness, right? Has anybody not had a speeding ticket? See, see, you annoy me, all of you. Put your hand up again, you self-righteous little people. Look at you all. So many, I've never seen a church with so many people. Awesome in Shell High. That's because Shell High they don't have a police force. They don't even need to have speed guns. No one speeds here. Everyone goes so slow. I'm on one point, right? And I'm driving like this, man. I'm driving like a granny. I'm looking out or everywhere. I'm going 5K under the speed limit just to make sense. So, you know, if you're a fool, there is a cure. It's called tragedy, right? When it hurts enough, right? When you've lost a few points and you've paid a few tickets, you'll stop speeding. So the cure for being naive or simple is what time, right? That's what we talked about. The cure for being a fool is tragedy. Now, there's a third person that Solomon describes, and this one we kind of don't want to be. This is one we may know people are like this. We don't want to go this way. It's called the mocker. Now, the mocker is someone who knows it's wrong, but they do it anyway. That's what the fool does, but they go a step further they lead others to do it as well. Now, the Bible talks very, very severely and seriously about a mocker. I don't know if you know a mocker, someone who knows it's wrong, they do it anyway, and, and, and they lead others to do it. This gets quite serious and a bit somber at, at this moment. Um, they're, they're critical, they're condescending, they've got full of cynicism. Proverbs 9.7 says this, anyone who rebukes a mocker will get an insult in return. Anyone who corrects the wicked will get hurt. There's not much you can do for a mocker except stay clear. That's just what God's Word says. The fourth person, this is what we all want to aspire for, regardless of our age or our experience, and that is what Solomon calls the wise. All of us can be wise doesn't matter what our background is, doesn't matter what we study, doesn't matter our job, doesn't matter our intelligence, doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian or how much knowledge we know, doesn't matter how wealthy our family is or not wealthy, doesn't matter if we had grow up with parents or didn't grow up with parents, regardless, wisdom is available for all. And the wise, what do they do? They are teachable. The wise ask questions. And the wise receive correction. You want to be wise? Learn to ask questions. Learn to receive correction. All the parents are saying, this is the best message I've ever heard in my life. Preach it, mother, preach it. Young adults are saying, darn it, I wish I'd missed tonight. The last thing I need to hear is to ask questions and to receive correction. Because now my parents are just going to hit me when I get home and tell me all this stuff. The wise seek understanding. Proverbs 9, 8 says, don't bother correcting mockers for they'll only hate you. But correct the wise, they will love you. Do you love the people that correct you? Ouch! Instruct the wise, and they'll be even wiser. Teach the righteousness, and they'll learn even more. For the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. I, I love that at church, 
is this beautiful gathering of people where we're able to deposit into each other. It's a place of teaching. It's a place of learning. But far more than that, it's a place of imparting. It's a place of sharing life. It's, it's a place of doing life together. I, I, I love at churches that there's often the ministry and the, and the training schools and the, the future developing of our young leaders. This is where wisdom is really um, shared and taught and caught in, in the local church. And it's so critical that we learn we want to be wise. Do you love wisdom? Are you seeking wisdom? You want to make good decisions in life? Learn to embrace wisdom. How do I embrace wisdom? Be teachable and accept correction. I don't know if I want correction. <laughs> that kind of hurts. That's kind of painful. Yes, <laughs> if you had it all together, you wouldn't need wisdom. But the reality is if you just left to your own devices, God help you. You know, you're probably not going to make it. Why? Because we need wisdom. Well, that, that means I'm going to have to ask my parents or ask a teacher or ask my pastor. Yes, well, that means I'm going to give them permission to, to correct me and, and challenge me and, and, and deal with stuff that I'm doing wrong. Yes, oh, that, that means that I'm suddenly giving people access into my life to speak words of encouragement and correction. Yes, that's why few people do it. That's why few people want it because the price is quite high. It's painful being corrected. Nobody wants to be corrected. But that's where we find this thing called wisdom. And wisdom allows us to make decisions. The answer, the success is not giving you the answer. It's not telling you where to study. It's not telling you what career to step into. No, 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 no. The success is giving you wisdom to be able to make your own decisions. So wisdom is the thing we seek after. Wisdom is calling you. Proverbs 1.20 talks about wisdom and I'll, I'll share this verse and then we'll uh, close together and we might pray for each other. Out of the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall she cries out. At the city gate she makes her speech. Wisdom is available to everybody. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long before you grow up and get a job, I reckon? Is that what that means? How long will mockers delight in mockery? How long will you be condescending and cynical? And fools hate knowledge. How long will you keep only thinking about yourself? Repent at my rebuke, and I will pour out my thoughts upon you. Repent means to change means to turn around. That's how we are saved, through repentance, when we become aware of our sinful nature. Wisdom's the same. It starts with repentance. I need this thing called wisdom. Then I'll pour out my thoughts upon you. I'll make known to you my teaching. Wisdom comes from a relationship with God. For the wayward and the simple, sorry, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them. This is big stuff we're dealing with here. This is heavy. And the complacencies of fools will destroy them. There's a lot at stake here. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Wisdom is calling today. Number one, we ask for wisdom. We seek out wisdom. We pursue wisdom. 
And then the final thought as we close today, and this may challenge some of you a little bit more, and that is this, we walk with the wise. We walk with the wise, Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into trouble. If you want to be wise, if you want wisdom, firstly, you ask for it, but secondly, you, you, you look who you're walking with. And some of you need to lose some friends. Some of you look at those friends, they're, they're probably the, the, the naive, the fool, or the mocker. But you become who you hang out with. That's why church connect groups are so vital that you find yourself surrounded by good, godly men and women. To change your life, you need to change your friends. It's almost impossible to live the, life, the right life with the wrong friends. I want to challenge some of you today. The relationships you have, and you know some of the people are not a great influence on you. You need to cut those ties. You need to surround yourself and walk with the wise. I think my whole life changed. Um, when I was 13, I hung out with this guy called Matthew Brown, and he took me to a party. Now, I was 13. I didn't know what a party was. And he snuck me in, and there was a keg. And it was, it was on this like uh, paddock, uh, like a farm in Mona Vale. So I went there, I lied to my parents, told them I was staying at his house, we snuck out. Well, I'd never tasted alcohol before, and so, you know, I, I drank whatever I could find, and, and man, I was gone quickly. And so, a little 13-year-old kid, I was stumbling around just blind, and, and I walked out, went for a walk, and I got stuck on a barbed wire fence. And, 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 and I, I kind of got stuck, and the more I tried to get off this barbed wire fence, the more entangled I got. And as a little 13-year-old kid, I was a tiny little kid, and I was just stuck on this barbed wire fence, and I couldn't get off, so I just spent the night there. I just fell asleep, just on this barbed wire fence. Well, in the morning when I woke up, I was still in this barbed wire, and I couldn't get out of it. And I, I looked down, and there were these little green uh, greenery carrots. And so I leant down and pulled these carrots and just ate the carrots for breakfast until finally someone came along and, and unhooked me and got me away. And I remember that moment. My mum found out, and she was horrified. She was in the choir at the Uniting Church, you know, and to think that her son got blind drunk on a keg at 13. She's like, oh my God. So she made a big decision. She packed us up, my sister and myself, and we moved. My parents had just got divorced and I was a bit rebellious and just hurting and messed up. And so she moved, my sister and I, and we moved out of Sydney and just got in the car and went north and then landed up at Broad Beach on the Gold Coast. Um, it was that week. This is only like a space of two or three weeks. That week I was surfing and I met a guy who invited me to church. And I'm like, I, I don't, I'm not interested in church. I've never been to church. I don't want anything to do with church. It looks boring on TV. I don't want to go to church. And he said, no, no, you need to come. There's lots of good-looking girls there. So I'm new to town. I'm thinking, okay, I'll go. And so I go there and I, I found Jesus Christ. And it changed me. But you know what changed me just as much? Was the people that God put in my life. That I got surrounded with great Christian guys and girls in the youth group and in my connect group. And I look back and absolutely I was saved. Absolutely I, God forgave me in an instant. I was born again. But it took time for God to teach me and grow me. 
And God used people, wise people, to do it. What about you today? Who are you running with? Who, who, who are you feeding on? Who are you hanging out with? It's one thing to come church and be saved, and that's great. I want you here every Sunday night. But what's most powerful is who is God positioning you around to become wise, to learn, and to grow? And some of you may need to make some hard decisions tonight. And you know it. You need to sever some relationships that aren't honoring God. They're not drawing you closer to God. In fact, they're taking you away from God. That's a pretty good indication that you're not walking with the wise because the wise should lead you to God. I want to challenge you as a young adult, as you keep your faith in Christ and you seek wisdom and come to church, who are you hanging around? Who's speaking into your life? Because you will become the same as the people who you hang out with. That's what happens in life. We're, 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 scholars say that, and, and psychologists say we become the sum average of the five closest friends. So if you want to know how good you're going to go in life, have a look at your five closest friends. And that'll give you an indication of where you're going to be. Sometimes it's time to change our friends so we can change our life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I, I thank you for the message of wisdom. I, I know it's tough for some of us to hear this correction, uh, even a rebuke for some people. But I believe this is a timely message for many as they're trying to make decisions and we've got decision paralysis. We're not sure what to do with so many options and, and we look at so many other people and we feel like we just fall short. God, I pray we would seek wisdom above all else. We would seek wisdom, God. Wisdom comes from being teachable and receiving correction. Wisdom comes from walking with the wise. And I pray tonight, God, that you would move in our church. In fact, as the musicians come, I, I'd love to lay hands on some people and to instill the spirit of wisdom. I, I, I believe God wants to impart wisdom into young adults tonight. I, I believe God wants to move and, and, and really start a hunger for wisdom. This will be a, one of those moments in your life that you'll look back on and say, my goodness, God did something significant. I was never the same. Um, this is a, a moment, I believe, where God's going to grab a hold of your heart in a whole different way. And rather than just seeking stuff or, 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 or seeking fame or, or seeking what you think, God's going to deposit His desires in your heart. I love the verse that says, God will give you the desires of your heart. It's actually God puts his desires in your heart. And I believe God wants to give wisdom to many people tonight. Before we pray and lay hands, I would like to pray for those with eyes closed tonight and heads bowed. And you don't know God. And you'd love to make the right decisions, but unless you know Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, you can't. Because wisdom comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Wisdom comes from God. And that's why Jesus came to earth and lived a perfect life, died and rose again, so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be saved, the Bible says, so that you can receive wisdom. You can receive knowledge. You, 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 you can be changed. You can live a life of fulfillment and success. That was God's plan and intention. 
But all of us, we're born with this sin nature that we need to surrender to God so he can forgive us and change us. And tonight, wisdom starts when you acknowledge you need a savior. Wisdom starts when you realize nothing else is going to satisfy me. No amount of money, no amount of drugs, no no amount of parties, no, no, no amount of ego, nothing. I'm telling you, you will be unfulfilled if you look to the world to supply your needs. You will be unfulfilled. There is a void inside of you that only God can fill. And tonight, to receive wisdom, you've got to start by receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior with eyes closed and heads bowed that's you and you know it just raise your hand if that's you and I'd love to pray for you I won't embarrass you or I won't cause you to come up the front but this is between you and God you want to put your life right with Jesus Christ you want to surrender to him just raise your hand let me recognize that decision we'll say a prayer together as a church and you will know the love of the Father. You will know the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Come on. And some people here, this is your decision that you need to make tonight to say yes to Him. Just boldly. Raise your hand. Yeah, thank you. I see your hand. Others. Raise your hand. Come on, put it up. It's between you and God. He's called you. Make this decision. Thank you. I see your hand. You can put it down. That's awesome. Others. You know it. That's why you're here. We love and welcome, accept you just as you are, but we love you too much to leave you that way. Would you accept Christ tonight? Boldly raise your hand and we'll pray for you. Thanks, bro. I see your hand. Let's pray out loud a prayer together calling on the name of Jesus, receiving salvation. Let's all pray it together. Jesus, I am a sinner. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. I want to know you. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, can we quickly celebrate for those who made that life-changing decision? Pastor Shane, if it's okay, I'd love to pray for some people as we sing through some worship songs and just create an atmosphere of worship in this place. I'd just love to lay hands on you and pray. Why do we do that? Well, the Bible says to come before the elders of the church and lay hands so we can impart uh, the spirit of wisdom over your life. I believe it's available. I'd love to impart it. I'd love to pray for you. So as we stand together, there's no pressure, no obligation, but... I'll be down here. Shane will be here. We'd love to just lay hands and pray for you as we sing through a a couple of songs. Thanks, guys.